Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello again, everyone, and welcome along to this edition of uh, Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Uh, starting to get excited on the final countdown to the REC's conference, REC 21, on the 29th of June. You can book on at the REC website at rec.uk.com uh, for a fantastic day of inspiration and innovative thought as we think about how our industry is going to drive the recovery and drive our own businesses forward over the, over the next year. Lots to uh, enjoy online and of course if you sign up you have access to all of the content for a little while after the event to make sure you get the best out of the day so do sign up there and also have a look at our uh, 2021 awards uh, at a re- going to be a really good night we hope in uh, November but a chance to celebrate the successes of the industry over the past year and a half as we've navigated our way through the pandemic. Now let's uh, turn to uh, the business of the day. I am delighted to welcome uh, Paolo Canoa of GI Group to the pod. Paolo, welcome to the REC podcast. Thank you very much, Neil. It is a pleasure to be here today with you. So maybe uh, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. Of course, you came to run GI Group in the UK, uh, I, I think, moments before the pandemic struck, uh, for having uh, been involved in the business in other parts of the world. How did you uh, come to uh, to be in recruitment and make your way through the GI Group? Well, it is true that I've started uh, February uh, last year, so just before the pandemic. So it was a very peculiar phase to to start this uh, this new challenge. Prior to to this challenge, I was the country manager of GI Group in Brazil, and uh, I've started, uh, I would say, my experience in this fantastic industry in '97 when I started my career as a CFO of another big multinational in Portugal. I was working in Portugal uh, for the ADECO company as a CFO while I was, uh, when I was 27 years old and after uh, some experience in the finance area, because I have a, a strong background in the finance area, I was nominated in, uh, I was in charge of the of managing all the operations in Portugal as a country manager in 2005 and until 2010. After that, I had a challenge to go to Brazil and Latin America when I've had also a big experience in the in the finance area, okay, for that uh, multinational. And also I was able to run uh, Brazil as a country manager. In 2015, I, I was uh, invited to to join the GI Group. And after five years of uh, being there as a country manager, then it came the opportunity to run the UK and Ireland operations of GI Group. So tell us a little bit about uh, GI in the UK. And maybe as we go, it'd be interesting to get your perspective on the difference between the UK market and some of the other markets you've worked in. You, you know, you mentioned uh, both uh, Portugal as a home market and Brazil. 
what's uh, what stood out for you in terms of the similarities and differences that you see between b- between the businesses you've run? Having in mind the characteristics of uh, some countries in in Europe and especially Portugal, where I have more experience, and also Brazil, I would say that the the main difference it is that those countries are more client oriented, okay, than candidate oriented. I think that the situation in UK that I found even before and I knew before the pandemic. It was more uh, candidate-oriented. There was a, a lack or a shortness of uh, of the profiles. While in the other countries, uh, the main focus it was more to gain and to have more clients. So I think this is one of the differences. Another strong difference that I've noticed in the UK market it is that the market is much more fragmented. When I say fragmented, it is the the number of agencies and the players and the competitors that we have in the UK are much more than in the in the other in the other countries where I have the experience. And uh, I would say that the third uh, main difference it is. And, and probably because of the of the how fragmented it is the market, it is the um, the strong price price and margin pressure that we have to face. And it was one of our first discussions, if you remember, Neil. It is the the very low gross margins that we have to deal in the UK uh, market. Uh, that uh, of course it is a, a higher challenge for all the companies to achieve sustainable profitability. As you remember, one of the things that I've commented to you when we had our first conversations, it is that uh, I would say and uh, that one of the things that was more disappointed for uh, uh, for me, it was that uh, I think that some uh, sectors of the market, uh, they see our service our, uh, I mean, the, the temporary industry much more has a commodity and uh, you know how difficult it is in these situations to be successful. So I would say generally that uh, this is the, the main differences and also due to these differences, it is of course one of the most competitive markets in the world and, and that's it. I think that competitiveness gives and takes doesn't it it's a very tough market but it's also one that encourages innovation you know you and i talked to you right last year about the importance of a couple of things really one is you know what can we do together as the rec and all of the rec members to reposition client thinking about the industry and what the industry does which is really the the genesis of the rec's recruitment for recovery campaign which you know while it does have messages to government is really about talking to clients about what the industry does as a professional service and i think we, we're going to have to keep banging away at that through the recovery and to be honest i think the wind might be in our sails a little bit because I'm sure you're seeing it GI Group, but every REC member I'm talking to at the moment is uh, having discussions with clients about how they attract staff because the, the market is tightening so quickly in terms of candidate availability. It's true. I think that it is not, uh, in order to change this perception 
from a commodity to a more value-added uh, service, it is not just the, um, the isolated action of one company. It should be it should be a common approach to the market. You know, if I'm saying that, that uh, and now that we have we are seeing the recovery, so we will get back to the stress of having candidate shortness. And it is not possible to have sustainable and long-term relationship with clients where they continue to see as uh, like a commodity that where the only differentiated point is the price. Um, having in mind my previous experience, and I've been working in, in some other countries, and for example, the, the gross margin percentage in some other countries, it is above uh, 10%. And uh, it is not possible, and I'm talking just regarding the temporary services, it is not possible or it is very difficult to have sustainable relationships and to for the companies to have uh, uh, sustainable profitability where the clients demand on a constant basis gross margins around four and five percent so i think that uh, the clients need to understand that and especially in some areas where the salaries are not so attractive where sometimes the companies like gi group make a strong effort for example to hire in a monday uh, 100 temps but due to the strong competitiveness of the market of those 100 temps at the end of the week almost 50 of them have left because they have another jobs so the the, the efforts you know the cost to serve is very high and the clients need to understand that this is not a commodity we are talking about human resources services and again it is a strong effort, and we have been doing that in the last, uh, especially in the last, uh, in the last one and a half year. But it is also an approach that needs to be done, especially with the support of REC. That piece around understanding that labour isn't a commodity, that what we're delivering is a professional service, is really, really important, and to a certain extent. I occasionally speak to audiences of business leaders, particularly those that I know through uh, my previous roles um, at places like the CBI, and say, you tell me, chief executives, that labor, that uh, talent in the business is your biggest priority um, and the biggest differentiator for you. And yet what you do when you're dealing with REC members is you uh, act as if you're buying paperclips. And getting away from that and thinking more sustainably about the long term, I think it comes to your point about client focus in the industry as well. I see a lot, a big trend towards REC members thinking about how do we put a team around the client that really understands where their talent problems are and comes up with a range of solutions for, for them, many of which we will deliver, others of which are for them to deliver or another third party to deliver. But as you say, that sustainable kind of additional effort comes from not being engaged in a race to the bottom of margins. Yes, it's true. Again, uh, as I told before, it is for companies like multinational uh, companies like uh, GI Group, I think that the, the main focus 
it is uh, to communicate in a constant way that we are not serving a, a, a commodity. We are treating about uh, people. And one of the major priorities since I since I joined uh, the operation of UK and Ireland, it is really to analyze all our portfolio and try in the, having in mind that we want to have partnerships with the with the clients long-term partnerships it's to communicate that uh, it is impossible to have long-term uh, profitability if we don't realize that there is a cost involved in such a difficult market of course nail that uh, uh, our competitors and companies like uh, gi group do not have only on the portfolio the temporary uh, business uh, service. We have to have a, a, a combined and balanced portfolio that contributes also for the profitability. And here it comes the other uh, business lines that we have. We have the permanent placements, the middle search, training and development uh, services, the transition services, and of course, I think it is the, a common approach for all the companies uh, and our main competitors, having in mind that there is this such a difficult and challenge price pressure on the temporary business. It is to combine the portfolio of services with other services that theoretically has higher uh, gross margins. And uh, it is true that uh, in this phase right now and after the struggling with, <laughs> with the pandemic, fortunately, we can see not only in the search area and also in the permanent placement services, but also in the training that we can see some rebound. So I think that uh, uh, 2021, it will be a year and of course, your data shows that where we can see a, a strong rebound. But again, I think that the main focus and the main mission of REC, one of the main points of the mission of the REC is try to change this perception of the market because otherwise we can see, and it is true, we need to be transparent on that. Several big companies in our industry, and if, if we analyze the financial data, they were struggling in the recent years to have uh, um, sustainable profitability. I think that is the big challenge. And it's the, as you say, it's about ending up outside of a, a, an increasingly commodified transaction and in some, into something that's much more advisory and yeah you know i see the role of the rec as helping as many companies as possible in the membership across that bridge as part of that you know our campaign clearly in the public affairs and side will will be uh, central but i think i think there's also going to be you talked about fragmented earlier i think i i'm anticipating seeing and i think we're already seeing quite a big spike in activity in terms of acquisitions and mergers in the industry as the market recovers from the pandemic and people start to build the businesses that they think can be sustainable i'm already seeing that internally in feedback from 
uh, REC members where they're t- saying to me they're turning down more business than they've ever turned down before. They're pushing for more retained business on the perm side. They're having much more serious discussions about the margins on uh, on the temp side uh, to make sure that we don't kind of as an industry think that writing business that hits the top line is what matters. Obviously, what matters is what hits the bottom line in terms of commercial performance. But a big part of that might well be a higher level of corporate activities as uh, people build fewer, slightly bigger firms. Is that a, mm-hmm. a direction of travel that you would expect to see in the UK market? Yes. When you mentioned the the, the, the last uh, signs of uh, consolidation and acquisitions, I think it is a reflex of uh, those difficult conditions. Okay, There are several ways in order for the companies in such uh, in in a low margin market, there are several ways to achieve uh, profitability, and of course, uh, one of that it is try to find higher volumes. But the challenge is to get higher volumes with low margins, but uh, with uh, some synergies that can happen with the uh, with the acquisitions. And of course, having in mind the characteristics of GI Group internationally. Of course, uh, you know that GI Group was founded in 98 and started the internationalization in uh, 2007. And especially in the last uh, 10 to 15 years, there was almost uh, no year where we didn't we didn't have done uh, an acquisition. So also for GI Group, uh, of course, we give priority to organic growth, but uh, we are paying a lot of attention of acquisitions all over the markets. So recently, uh, we have made another acquisition in Spain, another acquisition in Brazil. And of course, if we are struggling with very low gross margins, one way to do it is it is through acquisitions. But of course, our strategy is is to grow strongly in the volumes. I would say that it's to grow, it's to have uh, increase sales uh, above market and competition, but always protecting profitability. And one way could be through acquisitions. So just conscious of just beginning to bring this together, and I think GI Group is a fascinating business in terms of what you're doing, but also in terms of being a a European-owned business with a, a, a very substantial business here in the UK. So I suppose I'm interested in GI Group's path through the pandemic, what you think has worked well and where you see the challenges, some of the lessons. But as part of that also, I'm interested in what head office thinks of the UK right now in terms of, you know, we've gone through five years of everything being about Brexit. And I think it's really interesting that as an EU-owned and headquartered company, GI Group does appear to remain very uh, committed to the to the UK. Um, how are you finding that relationship with the UK outside the EU now? Is it, are there changes or is it business as usual? The Brexit, of course, started to influence the economic, I would say, evolution in the recent, uh, in the recent years. 
Uh, also, I used to say that when I arrived to to the UK, we had the the perfect storm. It was not only the Brexit, but also the the pandemic and all the other uh, challenging marketing marketing conditions. GI Group uh, UK and Ireland is the second biggest operation in the world for the international GI Group. So we. The, the first one is, of course, in Italy. Uh, so it is a strategic, a very important strategic market uh, for us. And the company is is willing to continue to invest strongly in the operations, but of course has the expectations to have uh, the return of, of, of those investments. Uh, I remember you, uh, Neil, that uh, uh, GI Group entered in the UK in 2009, uh, where we have acquired the company mainly focused on the temporary uh, business. And recently, in, in 2018, uh, we have acquired also another brand, a very known brand in the financial profiles, which was uh, Mark Sutton. So, this is the proof that uh, UK it is very important for for GI Group, but again, it is very important. We are not just looking for volumes and volumes and volumes. We are looking for profitability, and fortunately, after the even during the pandemic, but after some changes that we have implemented, refocus in the industries that we think are more appropriate, choosing the right partnerships to be with the clients, running from transactional relationships to more consulting relationships with the clients, we are able, even during the pandemic, to have a, a trend in the sales, which was better than the, the market, and surprisingly, with the even better results than without the pandemic. For the pandemic, of course, it was an unpredictable event for everybody. I think that internationally, the main focus was to protect the health and safety, not only for our internal employees, but also uh, to be very care with our external associates working in our clients. Of course, we've made, as a lot of companies have made, a strong investment to put almost 95% of our internal employees working from home with all the infrastructures uh, needed for that. And I think we have made uh, a very good job uh, being in touch permanently, not only in the UK, but also worldwide with our with our clients in order to overcome this uh, very difficult, uh, very difficult situation. And fortunately, you know, you were talking about the challenges that we have had in, in the UK. And surprisingly, what it is happening, it is that due to the strong success of the vaccination program in the UK, I think this was an unexpected advantages of the Brexit. And you, we can see uh, when we see the outlook of the economy in UK, 
it is much higher than in several uh, countries in in Europe. So I think there is a strong enthusiasm about GI Group about uh, the results of this year. And uh, to be honest, after the first signs in the in the first months of 2021, we are uh, in a level of activity higher, much higher than uh, previously to the pandemic. Well, that's a fantastic place uh, to bring it home. And if I could summarise what I think I've heard from you on this uh, discussion, it is about pride in what we do as an industry. It's about uh, delivering a professional service, about allying our recruitment delivery, our temp delivery in uh, GI's case with the wider range of client advisory services, bring, maybe bringing some of that focus on the client from other markets into the UK, and then being willing to choose the business that we want to run with. And regular, regular listeners uh, to the pod uh, will know that I, I quite often say that the best advice my dad ever gave me was turnovers uh, vanity, but profit is sanity. Uh, Correct. <laughs> and uh, and the last bit of that is cash is reality, which I think we all were feeling during last year. Um, my 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 sense is that that that, that there's a clear line in between the work that we need to do at the REC on the kind of macro communication of what the industry is about and on the value of getting recruitment right and the really commercial outlook that you've set out there, which uh, I think. It is a, a more optimistic vision for uh, for 2021, which is probably appropriate for an industry that's in recovery. I completely agree. And uh, I would like to take the opportunity to thank you for the great job that REC is doing, is doing with your leadership. And of course, again, ask me whenever I, I can contribute for that GI group, it's, it's, it's here for that also. I mean, your support of the REC over the last year has been incredibly informative and helpful to to us as as the, it defined us the wider uh, REC and and all the all the members. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, as always, the you know we're a, a member owned and a member focused organisation, and that's the way it always should be. Paolo, thank you for joining us today. I've really enjoyed that uh, chat, and uh, I think you had some really clear kind of strategic priorities and advice for the industry going forward, which uh, has benefited both from your experience through the pandemic and the global outlook that you've got. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Neil, and congratulations again for your work in the REC. And thank you to all of you for joining us on this edition of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. If you've enjoyed our our chat uh, just now, why not have a have a listen to one or two of our previous episodes? If you want to look at the startup end of the industry, episode nine with Gary Wills on starting a recruitment business in a time of change and recovery is a great listen. Or if you want to focus on one of the big issues that we really have the capacity to help clients with, you know, Paolo was talking about the potential for the industry to get into a more professional services and advisory space. Why not have a listen to episode seven with Joanne Lockwood on uh, diversity and inclusion and the role of the recruitment industry in tackling that. And uh, thank you again for joining us. And I'll see you all soon for another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon, and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. 
you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.